Hi, I'm Justine Elliott, creator and host of What The Am I Doing and Other Questions, a podcast for therapists. Join me and special guests as we chat about the ins and outs of therapy practice. Remember to follow us on Instagram at What The Am I Doing Podcast and subscribe to get notified of all of our future episodes. Welcome everybody to our next episode of What The Am I Doing and Other Questions. I'm your host, Justine Elliott. I'm so excited today to introduce another special guest, Michaela Cleary. She's a registered provisional psychologist and is working full-time at a local Edmonton private practice called Solace Psychology. Hello. Hello. Welcome. I'm really excited for us to uh, connect and uh, be able to do a couple episodes together. Yeah, me too. I'm looking forward to it. Yes, yes. So how did you get into the field of psychology? Like what brought you into, into this work? Yeah, um, I, I originally wanted to be a nurse or a doctor just because I love helping people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I recognized that I didn't enjoy math. So I needed to kind of find another direction. And I kind of found that psychology, you were able to do that. And you could work with a whole number of different people and um, help in capacity. Yeah. So almost wanting to be a helper, but I, I laugh at that because I, I feel your pain of like, I'm not a fan of math either. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> some of those more like science-based programs definitely required a lot of it. Right? Yeah. Not, not a chance. Nope. Yeah. Awesome. And you've, you know, you're a registered provisional psychologist, which I think a lot of our audience lives in Alberta and they know that what that means, but you know, for the other people who don't live in Alberta, you know, what, what does that title mean or or what does that kind of indicate in terms of your practice? Yeah. So basically it, it just means that I'm under supervision for 1600 hours. So I've completed all of my master's programming, grad school, everything like that. But in Alberta, you have to complete so many hours of supervised practice before you can actually get your full registered certification. Right, right. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And I know it's, I was just, I'm a year out from that. And I know it's a, it's a whole process. To <laughs> Lots of hoops, for sure. Yes. Well, and I'm actually really interested, you know, how that relates to our topic today around self-care, because I think, you know, whether you're in an internship for like a school program or having to do it for registration, you know, that's a lot of work and it requires a lot of um, things outside of just doing client face work, um, you know, that can, can be pretty, you know, hard and, and require a lot of kind of self-care to make sure you get through it. Yeah, no, a lot of pressures and feeling like you have to maybe overcompensate or do a lot more to prove yourself and get your hours and make a name for yourself in the profession too. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, why don't we start with, I, I think a lot of people know what self-care is. I mean, you know, there's a lot of information I think out there about self-care and, and different ways to do it, you know, and, and I think especially, you know, for people who are listening, which most of our audience is therapists, they, they recommend self-care to their clients, right? This is probably a conversation they have a lot with with people they sit with so I guess why should therapists care 
about self-care? Like, why should this be a priority for, for this profession? Question. I think mainly because at the end of the day, I know for myself, especially sometimes the last thing that I think about is how to take care of myself because I've spent the whole day holding space and taking care of of the needs of my clients. Um, But also the fact that it's an ethical um, imperative for psychologists. It's written in the Canadian Code of Ethics. It's all throughout um, our ethical literature and in our courses and things. And I think that the reason why it's there is because you know, there's there's therapists out there who are suffering from burnout and compassion fatigue and not maybe prioritizing that self-care as much as they should right yeah yeah you know it's interesting that you bring up kind of the ethics about it because I think that is I, I don't think we forget about it I just don't think we take it as seriously as maybe some of the other ethical yeah, things yeah. Right? <laughs> um you know, with ethics being like, I know that ethics is so gray and like, you know, it's so broad and, and every ethical dilemma is challenging, but you know, I think we often forget that self-care and, and making sure we are in a good state of mind and, and being is so important, you know, especially with what we're doing as therapists, which is, you know, a lot of relational work with other people. Yeah. 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 And I think too, that you know, sometimes we think that self-care is just about bubble baths and face masks and, you know, walking the dog at the end of the day, but there's a lot of different pieces to it that are a little bit more important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I wish a face mask would just cure all of my, uh, you know, burnout at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, that would be perfect if it was just a face mask, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that's, it's, I almost feel like there might be a bit of a disconnect because I think, you know, and we were kind of talking a little bit before we started this recording, but, you know, there is now more of a culture around the importance of taking care of yourself and, and your mental health. And, you know, I even see that in conversations, like, you know, if you, if you have LinkedIn, I mean, that's, it seems like it's everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Unlike those business platforms and stuff, but, um, I almost, I, I don't know if you feel this, but I definitely feel like there might be a bit of like this disconnect of like, for whatever reason, as therapists, we seem to like really advise self-care and taking care of yourself. But I feel like a lot of times we, we have a really hard time actually doing that ourselves um, and prioritizing that for ourselves. Yeah. I, I wish I had an answer. I feel like especially being new to the profession and it being in the back of my mind, you know, I did presentations on this throughout grad school and even now I'm finding myself kind of needing that reminder, whether it's a colleague at work or a friend who I went to grad school with reminding me like, Hey, self-care, like we need to be setting boundaries. We need to be asking for help. We need to be turning off our, our work brain when we get home. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting how there's, yeah, it's, it's, and I think grad school, I mean, I know in my grad program, um, there was lots of talk about self-care, but there was like a one, it was in one course and it was like an assignment, which was curious that it was just like, and it was like a self-care plan, which is great, but I found 
like I almost wish it was integrated a bit more into like the all over programming, even like just even now being, you know, I've worked in agencies, but also private practice. And I think, I don't know if you find this similar to me, but private practice, we seem to be a little bit more keen on that, or or I don't know if we have a bit more space for each other (laughs) to just be like, Hey, you're burned out, help yourself. Right. Or or noticing this, but, um, yeah, it doesn't seem to be like super integrated into all of our work or, or kind of the way we think about it day to day. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely grateful to be in the capacity I am at a private practice where, you know, during all of our group meetings and consultations, you know, the clinical director is always checking in and seeing how we're doing. And there's always kind of a section in there of different self-care practices that we can have, different self-care practices we can share with our clients. Um, and just having that, that culture of safety and connection so that, you know, if you are struggling, or if you do have questions, it's available to you in a, a hands-on kind of way, which I really appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that sounds incredible, especially just that intention of like every meeting or, or every kind of check-in, yeah. um, you know, whether it is, you know, Hey, you know, I think you're kind of struggling or just here's like some good tips, right. That, you know, we might not think of, or we haven't heard of yet. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And it think, you know, makes me think back to, um, episode two, I brought on Gina who talked a lot about workplace culture and, and I think that can play a massive role in like, you know, our, our kind of awareness of self-care or just even our awareness of, you know, our level of, of need for it. Um, but also just like the promotion of it. Right. Um, yeah. When you've got a workplace who really promotes that, you know, as an important priority, you know, it really helps us make that a priority as well. Yeah. As you kind of mentioned, like we, when we start out in this profession too, like sometimes we don't know, we don't know what kinds of boundaries are okay to set and which kinds are not, um, you know, how to prioritize those kinds of things. So it's, it's definitely helpful to have someone kind of guiding you and offering you that support. So you're not, you know, flying by the seat of your pants, so to speak, trying to figure out the profession and how to figure out how you take care of yourself while being in it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's such a vulnerable time. I feel like, like I, I definitely felt that in practicum, I felt a lot of anxiety and and I feel like you know, your first, even just being a provisional, right. And, and even now being registered, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not saved from this at any point, but you know, when you're, it's like your first year, I feel like you're in such a vulnerable state, um, that if you have someone to mentor you and help you, you know, keep this in mind, you know, being aware of, of how you're doing, you know, keeping up with self-care practices, um, it can really make that less, less rocky or just keep you afloat really. Right. right? Yeah. 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 And it's interesting because, you know, and, and I know everybody has different kind of undergrad and graduate school experiences, but I know, you know, I've had conversations sometimes with people where it's almost a weird transition because I, in some ways, undergrad or grad school is very busy at times and, and overwhelming. And there's a lot of requirements that don't necessarily promote space for self-care right yeah (laughs) then you almost like come out of school and it's like okay well now I have to know how to like be a therapist and have really good self-care practices all at once yeah 
yeah. there's definitely that hustle and that grind where you're you're kind of in it and you're like, okay, I need to find a job and I need to get a supervisor and get all of my hours and you know another colleague is taking this training and should I be doing that too? And you know, I've even found that when I'm trying to practice self-care, whether it's you know reading or taking some time to myself, I'm still feeling like you know I should be reading like a, a psychologically based book or something self-help so that I can use it with my clients or things instead of just you know getting a, a chick lit book and enjoying myself yeah 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 oh I definitely relate to you on that because yeah I feel like there's it, it almost like feels like there's an, a stopping point at times like the work just and it often is we're all passionate about our work right like that's why we're that's why we're doing this is, you know, we, we want to help people. We are interested in psychology, um, but it almost can turn into, you know, too much or, or it doesn't have space for taking care of ourselves and all of it. Yeah. 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 Especially when there's not those deadlines where we're used to, you know, this assignment is due on this day or this group project is presented on this day. Like we don't have any end date kind of deadline so if it's me logging in my supervision hours at 10 o'clock at night on a Thursday that's what it is like there's no it never stops yeah 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 well and and you know I think being provisional is such an interesting time because you're right you do your 1600 hours and you have to do so much supervision you know required with that but then you also have to write this big exam the triple p which somehow you have to figure out when to study for and <laughs> in all of this, um, which is a pretty intense exam. Like, you know, when you, you think about, I know I've, I looked at like kind of like a pass rates and just the amount of information that you need to know. Um, I kind of equate it to like my entire undergrad is what I felt like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but then in Alberta, we also have another exam, like an ethics exam that we have to do as well. Yeah. Um, and that's like, you know, I almost just am like, you know, where, where does self-care get put in with, you know, trying to be a good therapist, learning different tools and techniques, doing the triple P, doing supervision, you know, all of this stuff, it, it, I can see where it gets really challenging. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, the college of Alberta psychologists, they recently came out with that, you know, competency plan, or whatever it is. And there's that small little section on, you know, personal right. health and self-care, but it, it's just a little box that you fill in of some things that you're going to try. But I, I too wish it was kind of more enforced by maybe different higher ups, especially acknowledging that this process isn't easy. Right. That's, that's why getting that support from colleagues or you know, managers bosses friends is so important yeah 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 you almost need a few people that are kind of got your back right and and sometimes that's not a, a you know a certain registering body or you know even like your school program or you know whoever it is it's like okay I got a good supervisor or coworker who's who's gonna support me um mm -hmm. you know and help me kind of check in right mm -hmm. yeah yeah okay well, I want to jump in because like, you know, the whole point of this episode is really that practical tips, some, some really good suggestions for our listeners around, you know, what are ways to take care of ourselves and um, especially with being a therapist, because I think, you know, at times 
there's some good, just general self-care practices out there. Um, but sometimes it's a bit unique for, for being a therapist. Um, so I'd love to hear, you know, what, you know, what are some of the things you do or, or what are some of the best tips that you've heard, um, about taking care of yourself? Yeah. Um, kind of going back to that topic of boundaries, I, I'm even struggling with this right now and I'm going on vacation for two weeks and I'm like, well, how am I going to make sure that I'm doing my due diligence to take care of my clients mm -hmm. while also taking care of myself? So that for me is going to mean turning off my emails right. and putting on a vacation responder so that I don't feel that need to respond to my clients when I'm mm -hmm. trying to take care of myself. Right. So I think that's a huge one for me, whether it's, you know, turning your emails for work off at the end of the day. Mm. or having some sort of reset when you're you know driving home or you're packing things up if you're doing telehealth at home mm. so spending those those resets and leaving you know work at work or taking your work hat off and putting on you know your partner hat or your dog mom hat or just you know your individual hat that isn't connected to just being a therapist because outside of that you're you're more than just a therapist yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think that's so important to remember that. Yeah. We're not just, and not saying you're just a therapist, but you know, yeah. <laughs> you're more than your work. Like you, yeah. you're, you're much more than this title, this designation, you know, there's more parts to you that also deserve attention and um, yeah. And, and time to shine really yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. When I love that, you know, that kind of idea around boundaries, whether it's like, um, like physical boundaries, like you said, like turning your work laptop off or, or even like kind of proactive things of like, you have a vacation reminder, like, you know, you have stuff in, in place so you can really take that, that break. Um, you know, I know for myself, I, I will often do that where, you know, I go into my office to work and sometimes what I'll do is, um, I try to be intentional about creating some physical boundaries. Cause I, I, I know for me that that allows me to kind of put it out of my mind <laughs> in right. a weird way. Right. I container it a little bit. Yes. Yeah. And so even like my work bag, I don't use my work bag for anything else. I have like a, a backpack that I use essentially. Um, and when I get into my car, sometimes I'm okay putting it just in the back seat, just goes, you know, in the back seat where I can't see it. Other times I've also put it in like my trunk. And so I basically kind of contain it in yeah. the car so that when I drive home, you know, I don't have like, you know, not that I'd be on my laptop or anything, but you know, in my <laughs> work bag, just right there kind of reminding me. Right. Yeah. 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 Cause I found that to be helpful too with COVID and doing telehealth is figuring out a way to contain workspaces and then be able to enter back into, you know, home and personal life yeah. yeah definitely containering things and keeping that physical boundary that mental boundary yeah kind of taking the time that you need after the work day too to just kind of decompress and let things settle a little bit so you're not carrying it with you for the rest of your day yeah yeah and is there any kind of like you, you call the most like resets which I I love I love that word for this, but like, you know, is there anything you do? Like, is it a conversation? Is it like you do some sort of thing in particular to have that decompression, that reset time? 
Yeah. Um, I found that because I live fairly close to the office, so it's like a two minute drive, not even home. And I would take the long way to get home and blast like my favorite music and just kind of have that almost kind of picture of me driving away from the office. All of my work stuff is at the office. This is how I'm going to do that. Um, also to, you know, getting home, changing out of my work clothes, getting into something a little bit more comfortable. Um, sometimes even just having a warm shower and just letting the day melt off of me um, or taking the dog for a walk and just kind of having that reset, get some endorphins going and then come home and be ready to start the rest of my evening or the rest of my day. Yeah. Oh, I love that. How to just, yeah, even on the drive home, but yeah, I know I've used that when I've had like a, maybe a really hard day. Is there something very symbolic about like you take off those clothes, you have a shower and it like, you're washing that away. Right. Yeah. And just how unique that can feel or, or really help just contain again, kind of contain, but also kind of, you know, move forward, you know, with the rest of your personal time. Yeah. 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 You mentioned, especially if it's a hard day, you know, you have a client who is going through some tra really traumatic things and you're getting that vicarious trauma through speaking with them and holding space for them. It's really important to kind of give yourself that space when you get home too. Um, and I find that it's also, it's kind of hard when you have a rough day at work because you can't really get into the details of why you had a rough day. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if, you, if you're working in a restaurant or you're working in, you know, service industry, you can say, you know, like I had a really horrible person like, get mad at me at work, but we can't, we can't share any of those details when we get home. So it's, it's hard to get support that way too, I find sometimes. So, yeah. Yeah, it's really challenging because I, I think you're right. There's that piece where we have to maintain privacy and confidentiality. And, you know, we almost, you know, the only people, you know, that we can debrief with is, is almost other therapists. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just don't have access, right? Like, you know, I, I think private practice is, you know, pretty common with this is you might finish a client session and be the only person leaving that office space. Or, you know, yeah. sometimes you just don't have that time to connect with, uh, someone else who can, can hold on to that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I know I, I, um, ran into, you know, another way of, of kind of containing it. And I thought I was curious of, um, kind of a similar way of like debriefing, but like if nobody's mm -hmm. available and what the person would do was, was have a journal and they would write about their day and it, and they do it almost like every day. They would just kind of decompress the day kind of as if you were like, telling someone else about your day yeah. um, but then keep that securely locked right and obviously not put down client information and stuff but um basically leave it at work and and have that as like a, a resource to decompress um that wasn't you know maybe if someone's not available but you can still kind of get a similar feel from that yeah kind of that active way to process maybe some things that happen and get all your thoughts out in a way that's again, contained, but you're also dealing with them instead of just letting them sit heavy on your heart or in your brain going home. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Okay. Any other tips you have for, for therapists in regards to self-care, any other suggestions that you've got for us? Yeah. So one of them especially is just to ask questions, 
Mm. because I find a lot of the time, you know, that self-doubt comes out for, you know, that additional stress and that forgetfulness to practice self-care when I'm feeling so overwhelmed and I feel like I don't have control in the situation or I don't kind of understand what's going on. Um, having either your supervisor or a colleague or a boss who you can ask those questions to. Mm. Um, in this profession, there's there's no, I mean, really, in, in all life, there's no silly questions and there's no stupid questions. But I found that I get a lot of relief and almost that self-care too by advocating for myself. So, yeah, that's a, that's a big one. Yeah. Oh, I love that as a, as a form of self-care is to just ask, mm-hmm. right? Because um, I'm sure many of, you know, you might have felt, I've definitely felt that of like times when you're just like whirling about like, what do I do? You know, what's the right move with this? How do I help this client? And, and there is a lot of relief when you can ask someone to be like, hey, you know, what, what are your suggestions or, you know, what have you used? Right. Even just having someone to hold that space for you too. Right. Another huge one, especially for me, is participating in my own therapy and seeing a therapist. Mm. You know, having that that reminder that I'm a human too, and incorporating that self compassion. Like I might not have all the answers, mm. and my self care practices might slip a little bit, but keeping myself accountable by you know showing up for my own mm. needs and prioritizing that self-care can look like therapy it can look like asking for help when you need to it can be validating that sometimes you're not okay too that's okay right yeah 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 that recognition of of yeah we're human we're not we're not therapy robots who uh you know perfectly (laughs) perform all the time right or or you know have all the answers and uh yeah the need to just you know recognize that but also kind of dedicate time to to take care of ourselves right of of whether it's our own therapy or asking questions or you know whatever that may look like um you know just that dedication you know to nurture ourselves because we we definitely need it right yeah you can't pour from an empty cup we also can't be the best version of ourselves for you know our partners our families Mm. our children our clients if we're not taking care of ourselves first. Yeah. 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 And you mentioned, you know, using self-compassion as a way to kind of validate that, like, we we're not always okay. Like we're not always, uh, you know, we're not yeah. always doing, you know, <laughs> as well as we might think we are, or, or, you know, it's okay at times to admit that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how do you kind of implement that self-compassion? Like, what does that look like for you? Yeah, um, I use self-compassion a lot in my own kind of therapeutic modality with my clients. Mm. Um, so I think having those practices readily available and kind of talked about during the day is a good reminder. But um, there's also a self-compassion workbook by Dr. Kristen Neff mm. and kind of working through some of those exercises too, like at the end of the day, if you've had a rough day, um, that's also been really helpful too. Yeah. 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 That workbook is, is great. I know um, I'm giggling because I, when I did, I went to her, she had a w- workshop. She came to Edmonton, I think a number of years ago, which was cool to to listen to her speak, but she had the workbooks on sale and I got, I got, I got the like adult one, but then whoever I'd gone with was like, I always get the teen version because they, uh, they have coloring parts or they do. 
<laughs> I actually I love that. Yeah, I have like the normal one, but I also have like the teen version, which is kind of fun. Like, you know, it, it brings a bit of playfulness and it brings a bit of different ways to work through the material. Um, you know, that sometimes adult stuff is just more like writing and reading, but uh of reflection too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I find I know when I, you know, use a bit of self-compassion on myself, which, you know, oftentimes includes just um you know, being, being softer, kind of even asking myself, like, what do I need today? You know, what's, what's going on today? Um, is that I often, you know, can, you know, be a better therapist, be a better kind of, you know, partner, family member, friend, all of these pieces. Um, because I find a lot of times there's this weird idea that like, if you're hard on yourself or you like, if you criticize yourself, like you're going to suddenly push yourself to, I don't know, the ultimate level when, really that doesn't happen, you know, because if, like you said, if our cup, our cup is empty, you know, there's nothing to pour out of it. So we actually can't even perform to that level, even if we like desperately want to. Right. Uh, yeah. And I saw, I find self-compassion is, is a great way to get around that of just meeting my needs, meeting myself where I'm at while also allowing that cup to fill up a bit so that I can, you know, do all of those things that I really want to do or, or really want to be yeah and I really like that you know checking in with yourself and saying you know how am I doing what do I need and um, I also use this with clients but I'm finding I'm using it with myself too validating the feeling that you're experiencing so mm-hmm. I'm feeling kind of sad today this is what I need or I'm feeling sad because this is happening and it's okay yeah 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 there's a way of how that like softens it mm-hmm. you know in a, in a strange way, I think sometimes I hear that a lot from clients, like, well, I just shouldn't feel sad about it, or I just shouldn't be upset about this. And it's like, okay, but does that make this, make you not upset, right? Like that doesn't yeah. remove the emotion by being like, stop, right? <laughs> well, in, in that case too, I also want to like explore with that client, like who said that you can't feel this way? Yeah. Who told you that these feelings aren't additional information telling you what your body's needing at that point totally yeah 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 when I found sometimes I was doing that a lot especially during COVID because I think I noticed for myself that you know I I didn't think I was that impacted by COVID and, and not in the sense that you know obviously we had to wear masks and and it was a weird time but I found I was like when I finally checked in with myself I was like whoa okay this is this is rough because not only is like their global pandemic and that's impacting my life personally, but now I'm holding space for a lot of people whose lives are being impacted by COVID or, you know, even trying to work around some of the barriers that, you know, we face, whether it's like telehealth or just masking that made it hard to, I think, do a lot of the relational stuff that happens, you know, in therapy. Um, And it was interesting just to even ask myself sometimes in the morning, I'd be like, what do I need? And sometimes it was like, I need a coffee. (laughs) Like, or I need to pick up like, you know, some sort of fruity tea from, you know, Starbucks. And that, that'll just help me get through today. Uh, You know, and, and that was, I think a great way to take care of ourselves in in those moments where sometimes it's just chaotic, right. And, And we don't have control over what's happening in the world. And um, you know, all we can do is kind of care for ourselves through it. Yeah. 
going back to that circle of control, what in this moment do I have control over and how can I make that situation a little bit more manageable? Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on and, um, you know, and, and all your wonderful insights on self-care. I think this was such a treat for our listeners and for me to listen to you about, you know, those are some really practical things and, and, <laughs> you know, things people can just start doing right away just to, uh, you know, take care of themselves and, and make sure that they're prioritizing that. Now, um, we always finish on some advice for therapists of the world. So what would be your advice, you know, after our conversation today? I think my advice would be, you know, we're wired for connection. So mm-hmm. self-care a lot of the time, whether it's self-care, self-compassion, sometimes all we need is to get that support. So if we're really struggling and we don't really know where to start to, yeah. reaching out for that, that sense of connection can help mm-hmm. make things a little bit more manageable. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That could be a starting point. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a village sometimes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Michaela. And, um, you know, thank you to our listeners who've logged on for another another episode. And, uh, you know, make sure you're subscribed to our Instagram at What the Am I Doing podcast and subscribe to get notified of all of our future episodes. Mm-hmm.